Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson vill jag så bra som mig. Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Yes, welcome everybody to another episode of the Keep Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by a guy who is starting to feel as excited about David Krejci for next season as I was for Tyler Johnson last year, which is, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm curious to see what Fluto Shinzawa is going to say about that. I am your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and psych, just kidding, I'm not your host for today because Ben Burnett, for the second day in a row, got on the mic. Yesterday, he talked to David Dwork. Today, Fluto Shinzawa about the Boston Bruins. Of course, I'm saying yesterday and today. We're actually going to drop this episode, I think, on Saturday. So for you, the listener, you've had a couple of days to really take in that great interview that Ben did with David Dwork. If you didn't listen yet, check it out. Some really interesting insights about the Panthers. Uh, maybe you'll want to listen in on why Gustav Forsling may be a good sleeper pick at the end of your drafts this year. But yeah, that was a really fun episode. Also, if you haven't been following Keeping Carlson lately, definitely check out the mega draft episode that we dropped on Sunday where myself, Ben, Dave, and Andrea each drafted one player per team in a really fun format and it was a really good episode and I think a, a good primer for those of you who haven't been thinking about fantasy drafting for a while to get the top four players on each team at least and some discussion about all of those guys. Uh, so yeah, that's at Keeping Carlson, the feed you're listening to right now. So make sure you're subscribed because we've got a lot of stuff coming. You know how it goes. Once we get into September, Brian and I are going to be churning out the big guns our goalie episode more goalies board where we put all of our goalies into tiers we're going to get Dom Lucision on at some point to talk about his projections and a lot more so make sure you're subscribed we're going to get you ready for your fantasy drafts which are probably happening very soon uh so you know spotify apple podcast google podcast wherever you get your podcast make sure you're subscribed and of course also a couple other news and notes that you're probably used to hearing by now. Keeping Carlson probably presented by DauberHockey.com. Speaking of projections, Dauber has that guide every year, and this year is no exception. You definitely want to get that and download all of his projections. Uh, it's the best. It's Dauber Hockey. It's one of the mainstays of fantasy hockey for the past, what, decade, two decades? How long has Dauber Hockey been around? Feels like forever. Uh, also, like we've been saying on every episode, we really want you to consider joining the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League this year. It's going to be amazing we're going to have a ton of divisions and we want you to be in one of them if you've never played before you're going to start in one of the bottom tier divisions which will still be against some really tough competition because it's people who support a fantasy hockey podcast and if you do well you're going to climb up the ranks and you know this could be a lifelong journey you start today and who knows one day you may be in tier one fighting for the title of best fantasy hockey player in the whole freaking world okay so if you want to play in our league it's a points league we draft slow drafts on fan tracks, uh, which is a lot of fun. You're going to have like two straight weeks, give or take a few days, where you're just like doing this draft and you're chatting and, you know, you have your cue. It's very exciting doing a slow draft. If you've never done one before over this amount of time with high stakes, like a couple. Then we're going to transfer the teams over to Yahoo, where we're going to play out the season and determine uh, who's the best in each division. And uh, yeah, so if you want to become a part of that, go to keepingcarlson.com slash patron. A perk of being a patron of Keeping Carlson, aside from just showing us your support for all the work we put into all this content, is you get free access to the cupful and you get our patron cast. You get into our Discord community, all for just five bucks a month, you 
us and we give you everything we have. Uh, so yeah, if you want to consider playing in our league, again, keepingcarlson.com slash patron. But okay, with that, let's talk about the Boston Bruins. Okay, an interesting team this year. I talked about how David Krejci is back and I'm pretty interested to see what his role is going to be. Uh, we've already seen some line, I guess, speculation being dropped with uh, Pasta, Krejci, and Hall on one line and then Bergeron centering, I guess. Is it the first line if it's Bergeron, Pavel Zaka, and Jake DeBrusque? That's what people are speculating right now. I'm very curious to see what uh, Fluto will say. Also, McAvoy's injured to start there. We're going to have to learn about who's going to be actually quarterback in that top power play uh Grizzlick also injured so yeah it's an interesting situation over in boston can't wait for this podcast so without further ado let's check it out take it away ben and fluto welcome back to keeping carlson i am your host for another installment of the keeping carlson beat writer series uh my name is ben burnett and joining me tonight a returning guest a returning champion to the show fluto shinzawa from the athletic fluto Welcome uh, to talk another uh, another year of Boston Bruins hockey. How are you doing today? Hi, Ben. I'm good. Good. Let's go. What do we got? What do we got? Uh, yeah, no, it's a, a big offseason for Boston. Uh, obviously, a couple of, of big injuries with with Marchand, with with McAvoy looking like they could miss some time. Um, obviously, uh, you know, re-signing Patrice Bergeron to a very cheap contract in the offseason is, is a, a big win for them. I guess I'm wondering, what do you think fantasy managers can expect from Bergeron, uh, given some of the reports that uh, it looks like he's going to start between Pavel Zaka and Jake DeBrusque in training camp? Well, if you look at the season, Ben, that Patrice had last year, yes, he did require some some offseason tune-ups. He had an elbow surgery, but he's going to be fine for camp. That's, that's a, a discomfort that he's played with for several years now. So, and then you look at Production-wise, the season he had last year, it was pretty remarkable in terms of a 36-year-old center. Mm -hmm. Um, The best defensive season he's ever had, if you look at some of those metrics. And then he's going to get first unit power play time. Uh, He'll be first-line guy. And now uh, some of that will be diminished because Brad won't be there for who knows how long that will be. Um, and that's that's a big deal just because they've worked so well together for so long that mm-hmm. they know exactly what each other is thinking, where they'll be, this and that. But big picture, there really weren't many signals um, in Tr- Patrice's game last year um, that would forecast any kind of, of significant drop-off. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the issue will be, <clears throat> okay, will opponents really be setting their sights on him at the start without McAvoy, without Martian, without Grizzlick. So the matchups might be a little bit more difficult for Patrice at the start, and it depends who he's playing with. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's barring injury, he should be pretty good. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's good to see a player like this who, I guess it, it kind of feels like par for the course for Boston. It feels a lot like... Uh, the later career that we saw Zdeno Chara have, where each year he would just come back, he would play, you know, on a reduced cap hit to stick with his his preferred team and and just continued his dominance into into those later thirties. Um, we are seeing something similar, I guess, with Brad Marchand. Obviously, he gets paid a little bit more, but you know, one of those players who again has extended the prime well into their thirties. Marshan's production a little bit below what we came to expect over the previous few years. He put up 80 points in 70 games last year. 
um, and is now coming back from a, a labral repair procedure on both hips this past spring. Um, Fluto, I guess I'm just wondering if you had to guess how long do you expect Marchand to miss uh, at the start of the season? And I'm wondering if you have any lingering concerns about his recovery, given the procedure he, he had. Well, it's major, major yeah. surgery mm-hmm. to have it done on both hips, especially at his age. Um, the last 34 year old Bruin that had hip surgery didn't work out so well for, uh, for Tuka Rask. He lasted four games and now he's in a rocking chair. So I, I don't know that it's, it's, it would be difficult to forecast that in Brad's future, but let's considering the age and the severity of the, of the procedure, that's, that's a lot to come back from. Now he's, he's shown a history um, of, of being able to come back from, from serious injuries. Um, and, and nobody's going to work harder than Brad to make sure that he is in peak physical condition. Um, but when he does get back, I think the guess right now is sometime around December. That's a lot of time missed. Um, and it's, 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 uh, I would expect it to be turbulent at the start just because everybody else will have that many games under their belt of, of, of uh, in-season tuning, and he's going to have to catch up. Um, so yeah, production wise, that's, I, I, there, there, there are, um, signals there in Brad's game in Brad's history and his age that make you say, Hmm, maybe he's not going to be producing at, at the rate that he has in previous years. And you mentioned Tuka Rask. Is that an exaggeration that he's in the, the rocking chair right now? Or is that is that how bad things are for Tuka at this point? Tuka's done. He's uh, he's enjoying life. He's mm-hmm. out golfing a lot. He's oh, playing okay. tennis. So life is good. Okay, good. But he just can't. It was not It was not going to be um, sustainable in terms mm-hmm. of high-end NHL goaltending. That, that wasn't working out for Tuka. Right. That okay. Yeah, I was a little bit worried just uh, about that quality of life. But that's good to hear. He's, he's enjoying the, the post-playing career. Uh, time. Um, so talking uh, David Pasternak next, as we look at those pre-training camp combos, it looks like Jim Montgomery wants to keep that second line of the the Pasternak Hall connection together. And of course, David Krejci coming back between those two. And, and that seems like it could be a nice benefit for, for Hall and Pasta. Um, you know, looking at those wingers first, Pasta was a guy who really looks like a, a a player who was maybe underproducing, uh, maybe just due to to poor shooting percentage at the beginning of the year. Uh, started as a below a point per game guy, and then halfway through the year, he gets shifted off of the perfection line, moves down to play with Taylor Hall, and that kind of seemed to do the trick. You know, similarly to uh, to Taylor Hall. Didn't have as big of a bounce back as Pastor as Pasternak in the back half, but you know does pace for just under seventy points in the second half for Taylor Hall. Uh, what did you see from that combo last year, and do you think that uh, David Krejci joining gives them you know the potential for more? Well, it was terrific um, until the, they made the switch right around the new year, and it was it was awful, uh, especially for Taylor. Uh, one mm-hmm. five on five goal. Um, until January 1st, which is, which is hard to do given the opportunities that Taylor had. So, yeah. so much of it was about expressing more out of Taylor's game. There, there are a host of reasons, right, in terms of, of breaking up that top line, but that was, that was a huge part of it. They had to get Taylor Hall going. And, yes, uh, you, you have to give credit to Eric Hall. He, he, he did his job well as second-line center. Um, but 
Yeah, that was that was a lot to do with David Pasternak. I mean, he could he can make a lot of left wings play well. Um, in terms of his first half, I am I have zero surprise that David started that way just because of of the the tragedy that he had, him and his uh, his partner had experienced that summer of losing their their first kid. So that's something that's going to shake anybody for not just for a season but for life so it just shows how remarkable it is for david to be able to with time um compartmentalize that part of his life and then focus on the hockey in the second part and he was he was tremendous so yes uh, the, the the concern is if you put david up with say patrice and brad when when everything is is in line um it's top heavy that's that's always been the issue with the Bruins is that top heaviness has been a problem in terms of the scoring. So I think it, it absolutely makes sense for them to keep uh, Poshmark with Hall on the second line. And then with Krejci, uh, they played together now, not as much as David Krejci would like. Uh, Bruce Cassie was always a little bit wary about breaking up Brad, Patrice and David Poshmark. Mm-hmm. And uh, that did trickle down to David Krejci being, uh, I'm sure he was disappointed um, not being able to play with David Poshmark, but, they looked right as rain in world championships. Now that that's a different ball game than NHL, but and you have to consider David Krejci's age, thirty six, and not and having zero games of NHL experience last year. Who knows how that reentry will be um, for Krejci with without a, a year of NHL play? So, but in theory, that line should be good. David Pasternak should be terrific. He's in a contract year. Who knows how that will shake out? But yeah, it's 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 gonna look. Uh, Don Sweeney said it really well that he's this guy could be fifty goal guy in the NHL, and I don't think anybody would raise an eye if that happened um, this year. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense, and and hopefully we see we see that line take off uh, with Krejci coming back. Um, you sort of mentioned the uh, the the Jim Montgomery, uh, or rather, I guess uh, Bruce Cassidy being hesitant to put. Uh, Krejci and Pasta together um, with Jim Montgomery uh, coming in in his first season here. Do you um, do you think that the replacing uh, that replacing Bruce Cassidy has anything to do with with Krejci choosing to come back? Uh, no, David David said himself after he signed his deal that one had no, one did not have anything to do with the other. He had already made up his mind even before they made the coaching change. So nope, uh, not 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 related. Okay. And so, uh, do you have any sense so far? I know, obviously we haven't even gotten to training camp yet, but do you have any sense or expectation for what we might see different under a, uh, under a Jim Montgomery regime? Well, the, the Bruins wouldn't have hired Jim if he hadn't expressed some really good ideas about how to, um, coax more offense out of this team. Because if you, if you look at it strictly as a hockey product, the terrific in terms of shot suppression, um, denying everything in their own zone. Goaltending was good. It should be even better this year, just given that Swayman will be a year older. Allmark will have a year of transition under his, his belt. Um, so the defense was never the issue with, uh, with the Bruins before. It was just the five-on-five production was just really, really inconsistent. Uh, they, they did go with a high-volume approach. Um, and it didn't, it didn't lead to results that they had a high number of shots. They had possession, but for whatever reason, 
they weren't getting inside or they weren't, weren't getting those second chance opportunities off those initial shots. It just wasn't translating to offense. So you would think that Jim has some ideas, whether it's getting to the rush game a little bit quicker. Um, who knows what kind of adjustments. We, we haven't really gotten into what kind of adjustments he'll make in the D zone, but I, I think one of the priorities is to get to that, that neutral zone rush game a little bit earlier, a little bit quicker, so that you do have some chances off the rush, which, were, which was a real problem for the Bruins last year. Um, and I, I think we'll see some more shot generation from the points. Um, that was never really a, a point of emphasis for Bruce Cassidy. It will be for Jim. And, and John Gruden is coming in to, to uh, help out with the defensive side of things um, from the Islanders. And he expressed that there are ways to, to move in terms of the, the Ds up at the blue line to um, put pucks on net and then generate off those, those looks. So the talk the, the, and the pitch that Jim made is that there will be more offense out of this team. Now that's easier said than done, but that will be absolutely the point of emphasis going into training game. Well, and especially with some of the injuries that they they have to deal with to start the, uh, the season, it'll be, you know, the, they're, they're going to come into the year, I guess, with one hand tied behind their back in, in some respects. Uh, when it comes to the additions that were made up front, I guess the other uh, player who seems like they could factor into a scoring line role here is Pavel Zaka. Um, starting up on the top line uh, with Jake DeBrusque and Patrice, uh, what role do you think the Bruins had in mind when they brought Zaka in for uh, Eric Halla this offseason? A little bit of everything. Um, they, the First of all, they like the age, 25 years old. Um 2015 first round pick that that perhaps there's there's more to to Pavel than we've seen in New Jersey. Um, I, I think they do envision him. Uh, th- th- this was all before um, the, the trade was was made before um, Patrice and David had committed. But I, I think management had a pretty good idea of where that was headed. They just had to figure out the contract stuff. So I think they did bring Pavel uh, on board with the expectation that he'd be playing on the wing. Um, left shot guy, so left wing. Although I, I, I believe he's played right wing before. Um, but uh, who knows? There's the risk of Patrice and David is, of course, the age, thirty-seven and thirty-six. So what does that mean? They're they're at more, not at more at risk of injuries. But let's say something happens with the groin, maybe maybe that lasts a little bit longer for a player of that age versus say say twenty-two year old center. So maybe Pavel will be needed as a depth center behind uh, Charlie Coyle, or maybe he could even be playing with Charlie on the third line once Brad is back and assuming they're at full health. Um, but I think they do see a little bit more, some, some promise there that he, they, they see somebody, a big guy, um, not a bad skater, um, good shot, just hasn't used it um, enough in New Jersey. So there's, they, they see some upside in the player. And there was there was a little bit of uh, a a little bit of life in his offensive game over the past few years as well, which I'm sure sure are nice. But yeah, it, it's a it's a player. I can see what you mean with the flexibility and and being able to move him up and down the lineup. He he did that with with New Jersey last year. Uh, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have a few more high end players on this Bruins squad to get to, and a couple of. Uh, a couple of goaltenders, some lots to get to. Uh, we're chatting with Fluto Shinzawa. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. 
Welcome back to Keeping Carlson. We're here with Fluto Shinzawa of The Athletic. Fluto, I have a couple more forwards I want to ask you about quickly and, and basically looking at some of these folks like Craig Smith, the, the Jake DeBrusque, the Charlie Coyle tier. You know, one benefit to splitting up the high-end talent is there is more room for players who might otherwise have periphery value to step in and put up points. All of these fellas ended up around, you know, a 40 point pace or so last year. I think Jake DeBrusque was was a bit closer to 45. Um, Does any of this group stand out to you as being maybe worth a late round flyer in fantasy who, you know, maybe a dark horse for 50 or more points this year? Of those three, I would I would certainly um, classify Jake um, above the other two, just because uh, youngest of the three. Um, we'll get we'll get opportunities because of of Brad not being there at the start, but ultimately because of his his, his happiness that this is this was a player that had been so um, and he's he's a lively kid he's he's engaging he's upbeat and and a lot of that was diminished these last couple of years just because he didn't see eye to eye with the coach um, and and that really got him down uh, it led to a trade request that was emphasized on multiple occasions. Um, and they even got to the point where they, they, uh, they signed a deal, a two year deal for 8 million just to facilitate the fact that um, he, he was due to be restricted after last year. So he would be due for a qualifying offer, which was looking pretty expensive. Um, and that would have, uh, I, I know that it frightened some teams off. Just if, if they're going to give up assets for Jake and then have to pay a qualifying offer that they thought was a little bit over market, then, then he becomes unrestricted. And, and there you go. You're left with nothing. So Bruce is out. Trade request goes away. I think Jake is going to show up in, in really good frame of mind, uh, happy, positive, uh, motivated to, to be the player that a lot of people um, – think he is. And uh, there, there are people within the, the franchise that thought he was going to be a 40 goal scorer, which is uh, at times you, you wonder and because of how flickering the engagement was at times. Um, boy, this is really a 40 goal guy, but he finished right. the year strong. He was good in the playoffs. Um, he's 25. He's going to be 26 in the fall. You, you think that all the pieces are in place for him to be a, a experiencing a spike. So especially comparing it, if you put it just in that category against Charlie Coyle and Craig Smith, who are older guys um, and not really you know, Charlie Coyle, third line guy, Craig Smith, probably also third line guy on an expiring contract. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd put Jake well above um, Coyle and Smith. And so with, uh, with Berge or rather with a uh, Marchand out to start the season, uh, there is a spot up front on the power play uh, for, you know, potentially up to a couple months. Uh, do you see that going to David Krejci or, or do you think somebody like DeBrusque or Zaka could get that shot? Yeah, that that's going to be really um, interesting to, to watch because those are, those are two huge power play guys out with, with Marshan and McAvoy. Mm-hmm. So you would, you would think just given, um, I, I think Jim and, and John Gruden would prefer a defenseman back at the point. Who knows? Maybe you could see five forwards, but I think you will see Linholm uh, on the point. You're certainly going to see Patrice uh, in the bumper, and, and obviously Pasternak on on the left side for for that one timer. But yeah, those last two spots—that's going to be interesting because 
okay, David Krejci, tons of experience on the power play, but we've historically seen here in Boston that he's been a second unit guy behind David Pasternak because he likes playing that same position up on the left side. Um, not as a, not necessarily as a shooter, but as a distributor. Now we did see in the playoffs two years ago against Carolina that David Krejci was on the first unit and he saw some time on his strong side up at the point. So maybe that's where we see because Brad has always been a right side half wall guy. Maybe David Krejci takes a little bit of that. Um, so yes, I, I think that's certainly in the cards. Krejci, Pasternak, Bergeron, Lindholm. And then that last spot, We've seen now there is a coaching change, so perhaps there is a different different outlook in terms of philosophy and systems, but it's been uh, alternating between Taylor Hall and Jake DeBrusque as net front guy um, and right side goal line. Um, so I, I could see one of those two. Um, it's always been a point of emphasis under Bruce Cassidy to be a good retrieval person for that net front guy and get the puck to Patrice, to Brad, to David. Um, so it, it depends on, on what kind of setup that the new coaching staff wants. Um, and there, there'll be some competition for that last, but if, if indeed David Krejci is on that, that point, then yeah, that'll be, I, I think coin flip Taylor Hall or Jake DeBrus. Interesting. So, um, in the, uh, net front role, I, I guess Taylor Hall kind of struggled in that net front role to start the season, I believe, last year, uh, is my recollection. Do you think that he's a better fit? Sorry, uh, sorry if you're, I'm asking you to repeat yourself, just not sure that I caught this. If he's a better fit uh, off the wall as a, a distributor more so than a net front player? I think he's preferred that. And, and that's certainly mm-hmm. where he has more experience. Um, New Jersey, he was he was on a strong side, on the, on the left side. Yeah. So he could shoot downhill. And I think he liked that. Uh, he, he, I remember him saying he, he got on with uh, Palmieri, right sh- shooter guy, and they, they, they had some chemistry on the first unit. So I, I think if it was up to Taylor, that, that that's where he'd be. But then that means maybe your, your, your second unit guy with, say, 30, 40 seconds of play versus whatever, a minute, a minute 10 that that first mm-hmm. unit is going to get. Um, but we've seen it's, and I don't think the Bruins are unique. We've seen a, a, a progression in that net front power play position where, um, in years past, it was about tips, about uh, deflections, about screening the goalie, uh, just being that, that huge guy that, uh, uh, Thomas Holmstrom wasn't a huge guy, but you couldn't move him. You put him out there and he'd screen the goalie. He'd be there. He couldn't move. Uh, he'd be there for the garbage. I think it's it's evolved to the point where it doesn't necessarily have to be your 220-pound guy that's not going to be moving. More of an in and out, flash screen, get the get the loose pucks, retrieve, look for your your outs. Um, and both Jake and Taylor fit that that description well. So it's it's been interesting to watch um, that kind of shift in the game mm. where you don't you really it's it's. I, I think there are, there are advantages to being that that smaller, quicker, smarter guy. Of course, you have to compete and get inside, uh, lift sticks and all. But hey, Jake's not a big guy. Taylor, yeah, he's a little bit thicker than Jake, but he's not huge traditional net front power play guy. I think that's okay. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see. That's one of those spots that has uh, they've developed a lot more. There's a lot more room for skill. It feels like on the the power play and a lot more. Uh, you know behind the net play opportunities as well. You need, you need somebody with a, a great mind and a, a great sense for distribution, which uh, 
which Taylor Hall certainly matches in it. And it'll be interesting to see what Jake DeBrus can do. Um, looking on the back end here, you know, last year, Charlie McAvoy posts his first 50 plus point season, um, you know, really started to break out uh, in as an offensive player, but, you know, continued his dominant defensive play as well. And, and really looked like one of the premier defensemen in the league when he was in the lineup last year. Um, looks like he'll also miss a few months to start the season. Is is that still the case? Are we still expecting McAvoy to to miss a couple months? And and if so, how worried are you about the Bruins, you know, filling those filling those skates, as it were? The projection is December, early December, perhaps. Now maybe that could optimistically go into November, but yeah, he's gonna miss time. And it's it's huge. He's he's uh, I thought I thought he was the best all-around defenseman in the league last mm-hmm. year. He's just he's just never. It's just not within his DNA to have the the Makar points. Yeah, uh, he's just it's just just not, and that's fine. They if you look at the, the numbers, I, I can't recall them off the top of my head, but when when he was on the ice, five on five, shots were not getting through on the Bruins. The 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 shot suppression is crazy. Now that's that's partly possession. That he, when he had time, say with Grizzlick or with Lindholm at the end, they always had the puck. But he is, he is a really, really good defender. Thick, physical, um, doesn't give up much. Competitive, can be nasty. Throw some really, really tough hits at times. So yeah, that's you can't, can't replace that. Now, now this is yeah. where having Lindholm could be, could be big. But yeah, there's. Charlie was all situations last minute, not necessarily first first wave PK, but second second shift he was out there. Uh, that's yeah, and and at that age, um, him being a ninety seven, he's, he's he's getting he's still getting better. There's still experience and growth in his game, um, so that is a, a huge huge absence and and impossible for the Bruins to fill. And so it is very, very good to bring in a player like Lindholm, especially with both Grizzlick and McAvoy at the start of the year. You know, they're going to need some some ability to move the puck from the back end. You mentioned some of the things that that Jim Montgomery might like to do coming from the back end uh, and also missing out Brad. Like we, we've sort of talked through these these big absences that the Bruins are expecting early next year. I guess I'm curious to know how tough it might be for the Bruins to be a competitive team next year, given, you know, how shorthanded they'll be to start the year. Well, you just look at the quality of players. They are, uh, I, I'll argue that Brad is the best all around left wing in the game. Uh, I will argue that Charlie is the best all around defenseman in the game. And if, if you don't think Matt Grizzlick is, is a really good defender, then, then I think a lot of people, are just, they just look at the size automatically. Mm-hmm. So, oh, here's a little guy, a little skinny guy. He's, he's going to get beat up. Or so yeah, he uses, that, he has power play time, so he must not be good defensively or, yeah, or you right. know, do other things. But sure. yeah. But it's just, you know, you look at some, when he's healthy, it, it, poor, poor Matt had to play just about 50 games with, with a horribly messed up shoulder. Mm. And how he got through those games is, is really remarkable. But if, if you watch the way he plays, Quick, quick stick, uh, outstanding feet, outstanding vision. The processing power is through the roof. This is this is a a dynamic defender. Um, I, I think he's he, he's been a little bit of a disappointment in terms of power play. They gave him a, a pretty good opportunity 
when Tori Krug left to be the, the left shot point guy. And it just turned out that he's just now there are very, very few defensemen like Tori who can run a power play. Um, and Matt just wasn't, it just wasn't in the cards for him, but that's yeah. Grizzly, Martian, McAvoy. Those are, those are three huge, huge players for the Bruins. Now they, you would think that all the, all the other defensemen are coming back on to have to be without two top four D's. That's huge. So you're going to need your goalies to carry the, the day. Um, you're going to need your forwards to stay healthy. You're going to need that kind of revival in terms of whatever offensive turnaround that the, the coaching staff has been, has been pitching. You're going to need that to, to come into play because the quality of those three those are three huge, huge absences. And so one thing that we talk about a lot in fantasy is, you know, finding guys who are going to have an outsized impact to start the season or, or maybe even a, you know, in, I guess in Lindholm's uh, case, it's like, he's going to get all of the opportunity for minutes in the world. It would seem and, and have, as you mentioned, a, a shot on the top power play here. I'm wondering from, you know, from getting to only really see 14 or so games last year after the trade deadline, um, what your sense is on, on how he'll fit in and, and how he'll carry those minutes for the Bruins? Uh, I would say it's it's a little cloudy just because, A, injuries. You have a knee injury, and then he got clobbered in the playoffs by his freshman cup and, and had a head injury, came back, but just it wasn't the same. So there's that. So we, we kind of don't know. And then secondly, he was with McAvoy. Mm-hmm. And McAvoy makes a lot of a lot of left shot <laughs> deep look really, really good. Um, so who, who's who's Lindholm gonna play with? Maybe it's Brandon Carlo. That is a completely different type of player than mm-hmm. Charlie McAvoy. So uh, now Brandon has his strengths on the defensive side. So maybe that that uh, gives Hampus a little bit more freedom to go up the ice and he's, he's certainly happy and willing and able to do that. Um, again, though, I, I put him in, in Charlie's class in terms of, yes, he's, he's good. He play in all situations, but is he the, the Fowler type or the, the Yossi in terms of left shot point heavy guy? No, I, we haven't seen that in his history. Mm-hmm. Um, and stylistically, I just don't know if that's really his bread and butter. Now, yes, he'll play, you would think 26, 28 minutes, top power play, penalty, second, second shift, penalty kill, all situations. So yeah, you, you would think the points should be there for Hampus, but yeah, it's just the, the Charlie thing, the injury thing, and then the whole history of, of Hampus not really being that kind of point driving, at least individually for himself. Yeah. You, you would think there'd be a natural spike, but uh, I, I would not expect a significant one. And moving into goal, we have, uh, you know, the Bruins have been kind of the prototype for teams very committed to running that 1A, 1B split crease. Uh, last year, they are without Tuka Rask for most of the season. He's done now. Yarrow Halak walks. So Don Sweeney goes out. He signs Linus Olmark to a four-year, $20 million deal to play alongside Swayman, uh, Jeremy Swayman. It seems as though folks were pretty surprised based on Swayman's, you know, obviously a very small sample, but the phenomenal 10 game stretch he had toward the end of 2021. I think people were just surprised by maybe Olmark's term that he was given this starters deal rather than kind of maybe a stopgap situation to, to give Swayman a bit of time to grow four years. Just, it just seemed like 
a lot of time. Um, you know, Allmark's contract looks kind of like what the Oilers gave Jack Campbell this past offseason, as an example. Uh, so you fast forward to this year, Swayman for most of the season puts up the better numbers than Allmark, but then Allmark really turns it on late. And, you know, no surprise after the dust settles, Boston has two goalies that have played exactly 41 games each. Um, what did surprise me though, is looking back, Allmark wound up with the, the higher win total, the better save percentage, more goals saved above average. I guess I'm wondering, you know, what your read was on last year and, and, and sort of if last year is a blueprint for how you see things, how how you see usage, uh, extending into 2023. Well, if you look first at Linus, that I think everybody acknowledges is going to take time coming from Buffalo to Boston. Sure. I knew everything, new system, new culture, new coaches, new new, uh, new city, new teammates. So uh, uh, perhaps it took a little bit longer than they would have liked. But you look at his, his numbers. I remember looking at them from right around mid-March till the end of the season. He was literally best in show um, in the league in terms of five-on-five save percentage, uh, goals saved above. It was, it was elite. It was number one. So he really got hot, and he he absolutely deserved to be the game one guy going into the playoffs against Carolina, um, and the Bruins just weren't that good in front of him. He wasn't great in games one and two, but then yeah, you had to make that switch to Jeremy. Um, if you look at Swayman's year, uh, yes, you're right, Ben. It was it, you were never going to equal 9.45 save percentage like he had over 10 games as first year pro. Um, but there were times when Jeremy was shaky. The puck play was not good. For a lot of the, the the season, he had to go down, which was not easy for him when Tuca got cleared. Um, but good for him that he didn't it didn't let him uh, he he didn't really go down in the dumps when he had to go back to the American League and and, and he was he was back up shortly after because of Tuca's uh, health and retirement. So and he was good, Jeremy. By the end, now I think ultimately that he has a higher ceiling than Linus. Um, you look at the size, the, he's square, technically everything is there, speed, skating is there. Uh, Linus is, is the better stick handler, but Jeremy is he's, he's only 23. That will come with reps and practice and experience. Um, but you know, you just it's so hard to project, right? It's uh, you always hear what Carter Hart that looked really good and and. Who knows what what that future is like? So I, I think that was that was certainly within the Bruins' minds. If when you talked about Linus's contract, okay, sure, yeah, you might complain that okay, four four times five, and no move protection for the first two years. That's mm-hmm. okay. You could you could make a case that that's pricey, but Bruins they absolutely needed goalie. They couldn't go mm-hmm. into to that year. This is before um, they traded Dan Vladder. You, you can't can't do that. You can't go into a season with Ladder and Swayman, and what if one guy goes down? Yeah, and then you're expecting an American League guy to be your ace, and, and you're the ace, Devils last ace year. A year of Bergeron, you can't. So, yeah. and then you look at the the nature of unrestricted free agency. You have to overpay just because you're competing with. Uh, now, I don't know what other offers Linus was considering, but you, you have to pay. Um, and he's been good. Uh, if you mm-hmm. if you look at the 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 expanse of the year, I think Linus. I don't know about exceeded expectation, but I think he met expectations. Um, so you you roll that all into the the upcoming season. He should be better, more comfortable. 
Um, Jeremy should be better too, just given the age and the experience and, and where he is in his career arc. Um, that should be a position of strength. Now, the, the whole question, though, is, A, you're down McAvoy and Grizzly, two elite defenders. That's going to hurt regardless. Um, and what kind of adjustments do, do the coaches make in terms of, of defense? Maybe you, know, you have to compromise, right? If, you, if you're look, trying to get more offense, then maybe you, you, that takes away from that split-second coverage in defense that you're, you're trying to go, and, and maybe that, that, that catches up to you defensively. So, so we could see leakage in terms of defensively in front of, of Jeremy and Linus. But I think ultimately they are expecting and they are, they are depending on those two guys mm. to be really good. Uh, in terms of, of the rotation, I would expect it to be a little bit more swinging in Jeremy's favor, but not, not significantly. I think mm. if it's, I don't know, fifth, I could, I could see 50, 32, something like that, maybe even forties. Oh, wow. um, so it's, it's not going to be a, a Vasilevsky situation. Right. This is rotation um, that's worked for them for a long time. Now, part of it was because of Tuca that he was just built to the point where he was, um, he was. It was just not built to to have a heavy workload. That they they, mm. they really found a good uh, sweet spot for Tuca in terms of 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 uh, usage, and and maybe that doesn't apply certainly hand in hand with Jeremy or Linus, but that's worked for them. I, I think it will be a a pretty shared workload. And so, looking at prospects, I was. I'll say I was excited to see the Athletic updated its prospect pipeline ranking from Corey Pronman earlier this week, um, and then unfortunately the Bruins get ranked 32nd. Um, you know, not too big of a spoiler, I don't think, to say that Fabian Lysel ranks quite high on that list. Uh, are there any Bruins prospects that you can see making a difference on this team in the near future that that fantasy managers and listeners of this show should know about? No, no, not uh, at least for this year. No. Uh, yes, they. I think they will give Lysol an opportunity. Nineteen years old, though, so mm-hmm. that's just you don't, you don't know, right? Uh, with, with zero games of of uh, North American pro experience. Now, I think he was satisfied with his junior play with Vancouver in the Western League last year, um, and he, it looks like uh, numbers wise, he was he was pretty good during uh, World Juniors um, in August, but. 19 years old you just it's 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 hard to say um that yes he'll, he'll have a chance in camp but how how, how do you know you, you, you nobody knows how that's going to play out um mm-hmm. it's, it's the the model has been Pasternak, but Pasternak was <clears throat> that first year pro was, was I, I can't remember exactly how many goals david had but he wasn't he wasn't lighting it up as an 18 year old nhl mm-hmm. rookie but look at the career that he's had since then, but yeah, besides Fabian this year, no, there's nothing. And that's been, Hey, you trade three first round picks <clears throat> in five years that ultimately catches up to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't hit on some of these other players. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if you can even classify players like Jack Stanika and Trent Frederick as prospects anymore. Stanika was drafted in 2017, Frederick first round pick in 2016. That you would think that these would be dependable, consistent NHL players by now, but you, you can't say that. Stanika might not even make the team. So yeah, going down the line, there's you know there's some depth players. Maybe 
There's players uh, Jakub Lauko, Yuna Kapanen, um, but Jack Ashan on the defensive end. But no, no impact players on the horizon. Uh, maybe Mason Larai, a big defensive uh, 6'4 left shot defenseman, who was their second round pick in 2020, if I recall. But he's going back to college. He'll be a, a, a sophomore at Ohio State. So that's not that's not uh, imminent in terms of professional and certainly NHL uh, contributors. So uh, they have some, I don't know about promise, but they, 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 they have expectations of John Beecher, who was their first round mm-hmm. pick. 2020, but also first year pro starting this year after three years at Michigan. Uh, he's got to figure out what am I as a professional? So it's, he's absolutely going to start the season in Providence. Who knows how long that will be? Uh, no rush there, especially with Bergeron and Krejci back. But no, there's, there is nothing uh, in terms of high impact players on the horizon for the Bruins. And one final question here for you, Fluto. I've been instructed to ask by the boss man, Elon, who has Jakob Zaboral in a dynasty league, uh, wondering if he can drop Zaboral without worrying about it or or if you think he should give him a bit more time to to find his game. Well, Jakob was trending pretty well last year, um, but unfortunately blew out the knee. Mm -hmm. Um, But until that point, he was... uh, he was a third parent guy, but based on the way that he was developing, yeah, you could you could you could see him sneaking into that top four just because his, his, it's skating is effortless. It's always been uh, Jakob's strength. His puck play was good. He was making better decisions. He was recovering. Every player makes mistakes, but one of his problems was just just getting stuck in that hole. Um, in previous years, not being able to dig himself out, but that was that was going well. Uh, he was competing well. Bruce Cassidy said he was practicing better. The habits were good. He was getting right to his game in practice. So everything was was going in in Jakob's direction until uh, the the knee injury. So he's he's recovered the rehab. But again, you don't know how how players, especially who rely on good skating, uh, recover from knee injuries. But yeah, especially with Grizzly out. There's there's certainly opportunity for Jakob at the start of the season to be left side guy, and he's 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 been one of those players that can switch to the off wing. Um, so 25 years old, former first round pick. There's um, there's 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 something there um, with Jakob, but he'll you have to you have to really grab that chance early. Um, because once Grizzlick is back, who knows what kind of pieces fall into play after. Bruins do have to be compliant cap-wise. Maybe um, they make a trade here or there. They have a lot of five, uh, five, yes, five left shot Ds on one-way deals under contract. So maybe something moves there. Jakob is one of those. But um, that's 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 one player that, that will be worth worth watching. Very interesting. Fluto, thank you so much for answering all my questions and for joining the uh, the Beat Writer interview series once again. Where can folks, uh, where can our listeners find your work? Theathletic.com, Ben. Uh, hopefully people uh, read. Thanks for everybody's support there. Um, we really appreciate it. We are nothing without our readers and subscribers. So please log in and subscribe. Thanks. Excellent. Thank you so much, Fluto. Hope you have a great day. All right, Ben. Pleasure. Take care.